Welcome to Zab Girl and the podcast, the podcast about all things life living, life saving, and life giving. I'm your host, Carrie Romero, and this is a continuation of episode five. So if you haven't heard it already, go ahead and pause this episode now. Go back and play it and then join us back here because there was a lot of really great information shared and I'd hate for you to miss it. I'm having a conversation with my friend Kaisa Lindbergh who has overcome insurmountable odds to live her best life by her choosing in spite of her circumstances. To quote Earl Bakken, she is living on, giving on, and dreaming on. If you've encountered challenges of any kind in your life where you are really needing someone to empower you to change your circumstances, well, this is the episode for you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. On a Saturday morning, the program, I believe, started on Wednesday and it went to Monday. And so the Saturday morning, it was the 13th of January, 2018. I shall never forget it. It was 8 a.m., I believe, in the morning, and you were at breakfast with Medtronic CEO Omar Ishraq, along with other Medtronic executives, um, executives from Medtronic Foundation, other honorees, and I actually was asleep. I did not realize I was supposed to be at the breakfast, so I was sleeping in. (laughs) The alert goes off on my phone, and there's a buzzing. I don't know what's going on. Here in the United States, we have a, a program, it's the Amber Alert, and it alerts with missing children. And when it goes off on the iPhone, it's an emergency alert. It is just a constant buzz, buzz, buzz. And if you've heard this, you can totally relate and and you understand. And you usually, you know, check out the message and then it's usually nothing that is going to directly impact your person at that very moment. And so I saw the alert and the alert read, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. So I remember looking at that, waking up in a sheer panic, and my husband, Gus, who had been with me, he was not in the room when I woke up. And so I don't see him there. I'm I'm starting to freak out and panic, and I rip open the curtains, and I look outside, and it's the most beautiful morning clear skies and our hotel room overlooked a golf course. I see people golfing and I'm thinking, what is happening? What is happening? This is not real. This is not real. And then Gus comes in the room and I take my phone and I shove it in his face and I say, what is this? What is this? And what is this? And I was starting to get hysterical. And he very calmly said, he looked at it and he said, oh, that's not real. But it says it's real. There's nothing here that says this is a pretend situation. And so he looked it up on Twitter. Within 10 minutes, Twitter said it wasn't real. We had already turned on the television. I was trying to find any sort of news program saying take shelter. 
the lives of our children, the fact that, I mean, that went through my mind. I'm never going to see my kids again. Couldn't do anything. We couldn't grab a boat to get off the island paddle. I couldn't get to the airport because from what I understood, it was 30 minutes or less. That's what it was going to be it. Gus had the fortitude to look on Twitter and kind of debunk the, the threat. But Gus never got the alert. He had gone to get coffee. And he's walking through the hallway listening to music with his headphones in. And he passes someone in the hallway. And she has a frantic look on her face. And he said, good morning to her. And she, he said that she looked at him like he was crazy. And so when he came in the room, he understood more of what was happening, that he did not get the message. But anyway, so that was our experience. Yeah, what, what happened to you? So I, I had also bought, brought a guest, my best friend, my my cousin Elin, and she had a similar experience as you because she wasn't at the breakfast, which is um, really frightening. I was, I would say, lucky um, to be in that setting with all these other people. I think a lot of times when you're alone, it's it's much worse than when, when you're with other people. Um, the first thing I did, I mean, I, I think I was saved in a way by, by being so confused. We don't really, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen this in Sweden. I mean, I don't think it's ever been anything similar to this. I didn't know what was happening. The first thing I did, I was, I went over to Crystal, our friend. Um, and I said, have you seen this? Because I saw she was looking at her phone and she looked confused. I was like, have you, what, what is happening? Um, and then I think pretty early on, Jacob, um, who then worked at the Matronic Foundation, he, um, he actually took charge, which was really nice. It was an authoritative figure who took charge, who we all trusted and who said, okay, everybody, um, calm down. We don't know what's happening. Um, let's stay here. Uh, call your loved ones and tell them to come down here. Um, we're going to figure this out. Uh, just stay calm. And I think that that really helped. I called Aileen. She came down. I do remember there were, there were quite a few people around us that were very, very upset um, I was mostly scared, but I think a lot of people were very upset. Um, our friend Clarissa, for example, she was, um, I think seven or so months pregnant. She was obviously terrified. And the people that like you had their children at home, um, our friends, uh, Jason and Jim, for example, had their, their twins back at home. And, and obviously they were terrified and, and called them to, to basically say goodbye, to say the last goodbye. Um, so that was very, very scary. Um, and just, so confusing and I think anybody knew what was going on and I think same as Gus some people had heard it wasn't true and or it was a mistake and then we didn't know and nobody so it was just very confusing and I think a big lesson as well maybe we should say that it turned out it was a mistake but yes <laughs> we're here <laughs> we made it off the island <laughs> might be yeah exactly I think a big lesson and we've talked about this Kara I think a big lesson was was when we talked because we had a lot of locals with us that that throughout this um, um, trip taught us a lot about Hawaiian culture and traditions, and they said as well, you know, they said it's a, it's an insight as well for you guys to see what we as as an island state go through and how vulnerable we are. And like you said, Carrie, I mean, there's nothing we can do. We're on an island. We we, we can't exactly go to the airport and take a flight out of there. There's nothing we can do. And I think as well, I mean, having gone through what you have with your health, and I certainly know this as well, I mean, any moment like that when you're faced with your immortality, it does teach you a lesson. It does teach you how cliched it's, however cliched it may, may sound, about, you know, 
how valuable life is and how quick it could be and how you just need to make the best of your life. Do whatever you can. You you never know when things might be over. And and that experience certainly reminded us of that and um which I think both of us already knew. So yeah, scary experience. Yeah, it was just one that I will never forget. Hitting on what you just said, I think it goes back to what you mentioned earlier is how you handle life every day is how you're going to handle a crisis or when something goes sideways. You had mentioned too how you, what helps you is humor. And same here. I I have to just kind of laugh uh, at the situations that I'm in sometimes because within three hours of the missile scare, we went to the most beautiful garden that's a part of a school where these they they work with kids and they give them skills and they teach them how to uh, harvest the earth and to take care of the earth and to take care of other things. Just a few hours after that, we met one of the most influential men in modern medicine, Earl Bakken, and we got to give him a hug and to say thank you and and share that experience. But yeah, it's really how you handle life every day, Kaiser. You said it so perfectly that prepares you for for things that just aren't out of your control. And you've been quoted saying that it's okay to mourn the life you once had. And with all that you have gone through, when did you mourn? And and do you accept that every day? Obviously, life goes up and down and how you feel, it, it changes, obviously. But for me, it's in little ways every day, the same as um, being scared of dying. For me, it's never been this panicky, super overwhelming feeling. It is sometimes, actually, when I hear of someone else dying of cancer. That, that's, that sometimes freaks me out. But thinking about life and what you used to have, um, it's a little ways every day. It's not overwhelming for me, but I'm reminded in small ways every day. And it's both, you know, health-wise um, to think, you know, how easy would this have been before? You know, it's not a bitter feeling. It's also just a fact, stating a fact. So I think it's important. Obviously, it's 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 okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel sad for what you've lost. And I think, you know, for your own sake, obviously, it's important to to sort of move on to use that term or to to accept but for me it's also it's also been important that it's not up to anyone else to decide when I'm finished mourning it's not up to anyone else to decide um and it's not up to them to say how I should feel it's it's up to me and obviously I want to push myself and I want to be better but it's also you know going through a traumatic thing no matter what it is it, it takes time and a lot of people have the perception and or with me, for example, with cancer, it's people have the perception that when you're done with treatment, you're done with cancer. And I say this a lot, and, and that's not the case for most people. For most people, you know, even if it's just, quote unquote, the psychological part, it, it lives on. Cancer lives on in so many ways. And it's similar, I think, to when, when someone passes away, people sometimes forget that like after the funeral, it doesn't just end. It, it goes on, This this feeling and this this emotional part of it, it goes on and, and anything from practical things to, to missing someone, it's always there. Yeah. It's, it's important that to allow yourself that obviously push yourself, but also allow yourself to just be sad if that's what you, you're feeling. Yeah. Because like you said, it's not up to anyone else. It's up to the, it's up to you as a person and you are in charge and, and it's okay. Because what life looks like for you is going to be 100% different 
for what life looks like for someone else because none of us are alike. And and I appreciate those words, Kaisa, because you know, sometimes I can get caught up in my own head and and try to compare myself to someone else or, you know, well, I, my life like it should be this. I've got, you know, I've got two boys, two dogs and and trying to be a, an advocate for change and and be a wife and and I cannot compare myself to anyone else. So, yeah, that's that's really a great perspective. It also just goes to show the importance of community because in these times, you know, you, a lot of times you'll feel lonely. You'll feel like nobody understands and people have this perception of, of what my life is like and what I should be feeling and should be doing. But I think, to be honest, one of the things that's helped me the most throughout my journey has just been to, to meet and see other people that are going through the same thing um, because they really understand their opinion. I think in some ways it, it means more to me because they know exactly what they're talking about. And I can have sort of a more frank and more understanding conversation with them. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more that community is so important. Community doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are in the middle of 100 people all the time. Community could be that online support group. It could be that group you go to coffee with on Fridays. It could be your best friend. A blog you read. Yes, exactly. And such a great point. Or a podcast. <laughs> yeah, or a podcast. <laughs> um, like this one. <laughs> it, it it really does make a difference to have that relatability. Uh, I don't even know if that's the word, but to relate to someone else. I, I just, oh, with my diabetes today, you know, you could be the most positive person in the world, but sometimes you just need to say, okay, I need to just breathe through this for a second. Can you feel me? Do you understand? So yes, that that is... So important. Absolutely. But I think it's important. I mean, this is, I mean, a good day as well. And obviously not every day is like this. Not, I'm not able to be this positive every day. Obviously I struggle a lot too. And that's, that's important to acknowledge. But I think for me, it's also been, it's also been good to see that. And I'm sure you agree that there have also been good things that have come out of this experience. While, while the experience in itself is, you know, pretty awful, there have been some good things. And one of them is, you know, the community you build, the people you meet, um, just these incredible people, um, whether it's in their everyday life or whether it's people that, you know, are climbing Mount Everest despite, you know, all their medical conditions or it's someone who's traveling the world or whatever they're doing. Um, I think a lot of these things, it strengthens you as a person. It empowers you and it strengthens you. It helps you build sort of this yeah, mental strength that you're also able to translate into other things. So you're able to hopefully handle other things in life easier um, than you've done than you would have otherwise. I think for me that that became very, very obvious. I am 100 percent certain that having dealt with with type one for so long helped me get through cancer. It helped prepare me in some ways for for being sick and for going through some, you know, a huge life change for knowing that obviously not every day is going to be a good day. And again, being faced with your mortality, I, th- I think it'd be strange of me to say that I think everyone should see the positive and everyone should you know, <laughs> go out there and empower the community. I mean, that's, that's unrealistic. Rainbows I mean, and sunshine. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, really, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say. Like, obviously everyone has their battle again and, and that, I haven't always been like this. It's not that I'm expecting everyone to sort of take, uh, you know, life by the horns and the bull by the horns, whatever. Um, 
But I think for, what's been important for me is that, you know, that there comes a certain point where you're frustrated enough that you don't have an option. The only option you have is to change and you have to change something um, for yourself and, f- and for others. And that's, that's sort of what I came to. How old were you when you chose to say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to do this. I, I feel like I'm in a good headspace that I'm going to live on. I'm going to give on and I'm going to dream on. I know you didn't do, use those exact words right at that moment, but essentially. So again, I was diagnosed with type one when I was 13 and, and managed quite fine for the first few years. And then in my upper teens, I started getting, you know, fatigued, um, diabetes burnout, it's called sometimes where I just, it was just too much for me. I couldn't handle everything, but I also thought, you know, how am I going to have the strength to do this for the rest of my life. And I just sort of, I didn't give up, but I did the absolute uh, minimum that I had to. So I took, you know, a couple of, of injections every day and, and measured my blood sugar maybe once a day. And that was it because I didn't have the energy to deal with it. And and I was just, I was sad. I was angry. And eventually I was in a better space, I guess, mentally. I was frustrated enough to say that this isn't okay. I mean, feeling this way, is you, you shouldn't have to feel this way. And I knew that obviously I wasn't the only one dealing with this. I wasn't the only one feeling like this. So I just had a very strong feeling that I needed to to try to change that for other people. I didn't want other people to have to go through what I had gone through, to have to struggle like that. And, and it was important for me to, if I couldn't anyway change that, I wanted to do that. So at that point, I was 21 years old when I started getting involved in, in the diabetes world. And that's been so positive for me, obviously, with my career now, which I never would have thought. And it's just been so beneficial in so many ways. Obviously, the the core of it is feeling like you're making a difference. But it's also been positive for me um, as a person. It's helped me develop a lot. It's made, you know, me a stronger person and hopefully a better person. It's connected with me with so many amazing people. And I think when I was diagnosed with cancer at first, I had a very strong feeling um, despite being positive most of the time, I had a very strong feeling that nothing positive is ever going to come out of this. I'm never going to be able to say I was grateful to have cancer. And I, I still don't necessarily think I'm grateful, but I have come to a point where I feel like I also want to do what I can to turn these these experiences of living with cancer into something positive to try to help others as well. Um, so it's been a bit of, of an up and down journey. Thank you for that. And it's been an incredible journey and I can't wait to see the turns that both of our lives are going to continue to take. And so that that takes me sort of to the end where I ask three questions. The first one is, if you could have a superhero name, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would, I was going to say like resilience girl, but that sounds a bit obnoxious. So maybe something like, <laughs> I think it's perfect. <laughs> no, but maybe something like um, mechanic girl, mechanic girl. Mechanic girl. Ooh. Because of, you know, I'm half a robot. Oh, I like my, it. Um, med tech parts. So yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. All right. Mechanic girl. All right. <laughs> I love it. So mechanic girl, <laughs> what, if you had uh, a superpower, what would that be? Oh, um, I'm going to be 100% selfish here and say flying. I, I mean, I'm, I could say something that would help me save the world, I guess, but I've just always wanted <laughs> to know what it was like to fly. So I'm going to say flying. And hopefully that can help someone. Yeah, I was going to say, because you will be flying on your way to your next speaking engagement where you're going to share your story and that's going to help change someone's <laughs> life. So I like boom. that. Nice. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, Kaisa. Um, 
for being here, for your time, for opening up your heart, and for for just sharing your incredible story of determination and empowering everyone and mostly reminding us to empower ourselves. And you can find Kaisa on Instagram. She is at Kaisa underscore Lindbergh. It's C-A-J-S-A underscore Lindbergh, L-I-N-D-B-E-R-G. And that's on Instagram. I think you are a bit of a photojournalist. You're just, you share, you create stories with your photos and there. I love looking at them and yeah. Amateur photographer. <laughs> oh, but you're fabulous. All of your travels and all of the fabulous things that you're doing to live your life, to truly live your life. One thing I will always be grateful for in our time for Hawaii or in Hawaii was the fact that you and I got to go on a little excursion right there at the end, whale watching and then swim in the Pacific Ocean. And we were there with some very dear friends. And oh, that's one of my best days. Yes, it was. Honestly, and I get chills thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. And seeing the sea turtles in the water and the whales out. Oh, yeah, it was magical. And that's when I learned that you, um, how much you love the water. And so I nicknamed you yeah. for Beautiful Mermaid. So <laughs> I was choosing between either flying or being able to breathe underwater. <laughs> I have to say that was a tough one. <laughs> Well, we'll say you can do both. Yeah, hopefully. Anyway, and Carrie, I mean, thank you so much for having me here. And, and just I want to reciprocate. Thank you for everything that you do. I don't think you realize the, the power that you have to, um, to make change. It's, it's incredible to see. And I'm very honored to be your friend. Same here, sister. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. So I don't know if you caught this, but I was supposed to ask Kaisa one more question, and unfortunately, our schedules were conflicting, so we weren't able to record this with her, but I wanted to go ahead and share her answer to my third question, and the question was, what advice would you give your younger self? And her answer was, there will come a time in your life when you have no other option to be brave, to be strong, resilient, to fight. So use this time to be a kid, have fun, laugh a lot, enjoy life, and learn to ask for help from family and friends when you need it. Such great advice for anyone, no matter what their age. Empower yourself to change your perspective. Amazing words from Kaisa Lindbergh, my guest here at Zab Girl in the podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Her circumstances were type 1 diabetes and cancer. What are yours? Kaisa encouraged us to train our brain in peacetime so that when tough situations come around, when circumstances are beyond our control, our body will naturally go back to the way that it's used to reacting in peacetime. Find your community. One of the strong points that I took away from this is that it's important to share my story, just like it's important for you to share your story. I'd love to hear from you, so send me a message on social media. Go to IamZapGirl.com and let me know what your thoughts were from this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Again, if you would like to contact Kaisa, she can be found on Instagram at Kaisa, which is C-A-J-S-A underscore Lindbergh. And that's on Instagram. I just wanted to give a little shout out to the friends that Kaisa had mentioned earlier in the episode when we were 
in the middle of the Hawaiian Missile Scare. Jacob Gale was the president of Medtronic Foundation and Medtronic Philanthropy at the time. Crystal Boyer is a 2014 Bakken Invitation honoree and lives with type 1 diabetes. And Jason Baker, a 2017 Bakken Invitation honoree. He also lives with type 1 diabetes, and he was there with his husband, Jim Augustine. So wanted to give a little shout out to them. Thank you again so much for joining me on this really exciting journey and for tuning in again to Zap Girl in the podcast. If you have an idea of something that you would like to hear about that is life-saving, life-living, or life-giving, please drop me a line, send it to me, check out my information on imzapgirl.com, and there will be more information in the show notes, including pictures from Hawaii. So, thanks. Zap girl, zap girl, zap girl, zap girl.